I'm Stephen John Drew from Better Podcasting, a podcast about podcasting, part of the Gunna Geek Network. Just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find fantastic geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Each week, we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Stephen, Chris, and SP. Welcome to an all-new episode of the official Gunna Geek Show. I am Steven, and with me, of course, is Chris. Howdy. And we've also got Stars P. Hey, guys. I think we should hurry this up a little bit because I have a nine-hour live stream I have to catch up on from today because I was at work. I couldn't see oh. it. Nine hours. Yes, the nine hours of them sitting around. They're not officially owned by Nat, or not owned, but affiliated no, with no, NASA, no, right? No, no. We'll talk like, about it later. We'll talk about they, it later. Okay, we'll get we'll get there in a minute so I can wait, dog all wait. over them. So this wasn't stephencam.com where it's just a live video of Steven at work? Don't go there. We don't know what's at stephencam.com. I can see him on my watch all day I'm long. I'm curious. What is it, stephencam.com? I don't know, but you might get all sorts of terrible noises. Hey, if you didn't know this, when we're not musing about how you can watch me do nothing, uh, we... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, for the audio listeners, they're both laughing at the same time. I suspect it's not a good website. Uh, however, <laughs> it's not terrible. <laughs> I just the name is just funny. <laughs> we like to talk about geeky things, but I don't know if you know this, but we are part of the Gunna Geek Network. The Gunna Geek Network has a bunch of amazing content on it. You should definitely check that out. And uh, it looks like stephencam.com is just registered for nothing. So. Uh, it's owned by hugedomains.com. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huge. Huge domains. <laughs> Huge. And also, by the way, if you didn't know this, SP. I was just pausing, seeing if there was something you wanted to promote because it's been a while since you promoted something at the top of the show, SP. At the top of the show, I have a bunch of stuff. To, to promote at the bottom of the show there you, today is the big day today is the day that i reveal on the gunnageek.com show what audio drama that i have a part in at the end of the month <gasps> so stay tuned till the end of the show and i will tell everybody what audio drama i was on You know, Chris, last week we talked a little bit about the Nintendo Switch and how terrible Nintendo is. And so I thought that what we should do is not mention them at all this week. So let's go to your news. I'm here to rub some salt in your wounds, Stephen. We're going to talk about Nintendo products. In fact, the oft-rumored Nintendo Switch Pro, we've kind of gotten some information on what may be coming to it courtesy of some leaks that have been reported by Bloomberg and a variety of other sites out there. Now, one thing to keep in mind, these are leaks and rumors. Nothing is confirmed. Nintendo, as is normal, has issued no comment when asked about any of these leaks that have come out. But let's talk about what may be coming in the refresh of the Nintendo Switch. And if you think about it, we're about due for a refresh. That console is, what, about four years old right now? They did like a half iteration refresh. They put a better processor and bigger battery in before they put out the Switch Lite. So if you look at what Xbox did and Sony did, 
They put out the PS4 Pro and the Xbox One X. We're getting to that point where Nintendo is looking, doing a similar refresh. So it's not unheard of what is going on here. So according to the leakers, the Nintendo Switch Pro will be a significant improvement on the original Switch. Suppose it will feature a larger, brighter screen, OLED, by the way, but it's also set for massively enhanced internals, they're saying. A report at Bloomberg says the new Switch Pro will feature a 7-inch display, as opposed to the current 6.2-inch display. It will no longer be LCD technology. They will be flipping it over to an OLED screen, which is awesome if you're someone who's used a cell phone with an OLED screen, or like the PlayStation Vita, which had a very bright, vibrant OLED display in it. It made a huge difference for playing games on. The current Switch right now uses LCD tech. It's old. It's, it's what's been out there for ages. It's perfectly fine, but you'll notice a difference if they actually do put out a Switch with OLED displays in it, supposedly being supplied by Samsung, as what I'd seen in some of the reports online, because they had a surplus. So smart on Nintendo there. They're also reporting that the new Switch will support 4K television output when docked and connected to a screen. It will supposedly still be 720p when you play in handheld mode, but will have the capability to put out a 4K picture when docked and plugged into your TV. And this is an interesting thing we get into with the Switch now is because of its hybrid nature, like when I play my Switch, 90% of the time it's in handheld mode anymore. It's not actually in docked mode. So I don't know that that's necessarily as important to me, but folks who are say Twitch streamers and things like that, being able to put a better picture out and being able to put that on their stream, that's probably helpful for them. They don't have to worry about bandwidth limitations either. This is something that I thought was actually pretty fun is that the, uh, the rumored name for the Nintendo Switch Pro is no, 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 not Nintendo Switch Pro, but supposedly they're going to call it the Super Nintendo Switch. And I'm totally okay with this because it's kind of an homage to the Super Nintendo Entertainment System from the 90s. I can dig it. I'm really excited. When you go and look through some of the other breakdowns here, they are kind of showing or theorizing that the upgraded tech inside will not be as powerful as the current PlayStation 5 or Xbox Series line of things, but will incorporate some of the DLSS technology and things like that, supposedly. Again, it's all rumors, but it all sort of makes sense. Now, here's where we get into the tricky aspect of things. These are all rumors, like I said, that Nintendo has confirmed. So obviously, we have no idea what the price point is going to be. And if I had to guess, it's probably going to be at least a couple hundred bucks more expensive than the traditional Switch. Maybe we see a price drop in the original Switch, and then this come in at, say, 200 bucks over, whatever that price drop is. Don't anticipate this being super cheap. And let's be honest, the Switch has been out for four years, and it's still $300. There's been no price drop. So I would, if I had to guess, Switch Pro, 500 bucks. So I did some quick research, and you're absolutely right. The Nintendo Switch has been out for four years. It was introduced on March 3rd, 2017, so getting a refresh now. actually. Make some sense. And in comparison, I just want to throw this out there. The Apple TV fifth generation was announced at an Apple special event September 12th, 2017. Also in need of an update. <laughs> I'm not familiar this with this true. Apple TV that you speak of. I have no idea what it is either because I had to buy a Roku to replace my Apple TV. Is there any other updates about this rumor, Chris? 
Well, I mean, I see some comments that were put into my show notes. Do you want me to read those for you, Stephen? I think you should read your notes on your article exactly as you've inserted them into the show document. That's what I think Fair you enough. should do. So, well, well, so, hold on, hold on. The last edit was made a minute ago by Stephen John Drew. Yes. So for those that aren't aware, as we record this show live here on Monday night, we keep our show notes over. We put show notes together rather for each episode where we put some talking points in, links back to the news, and we all kind of bullet point out what we're going to say. And as I was discussing the Super Nintendo Switch or the Switch Pro or whatever, I saw text being populated at the end of my document. It's like I'd forgot to put something in. So I guess I will read exactly word for word the talking points that I forgot to insert into my news story that Google was smart enough to know that I had forgotten. So let me... Although not offering official comment, Nintendo has also hinted to a universal backup service. All games and services will be required to use one backup service. Oh, wait, I made that last part up because Nintendo sucks when it comes to uniform backup services. And makes little boys cry. I'm glad you admit that you made it up, Chris. Well, however this got populated in there, it was made up. I mean, SP did talk about when the last updates were made to the show notes and we can go granular enough to see what those updates were, but mm-hmm. I think we'll just we'll just go with the illusion that I forgot something in the in the great Google machine decided to update my news point accordingly to share this news about Nintendo Switch's online service, which while we while we kid around a little bit, there are legit concerns I have had mm. with it. And Steven last week ran into one of those, which is Switch Online is not the greatest for backups. All right, putting the dogging aside, I got to say, uh, I like the idea of them doing a refresh. I do worry more than with Sony and Microsoft that we're going to see that game division happen where all of a sudden we're going to see certain games built for the Super Nintendo Switch that um, will have very poor performance on the Nintendo Switch regular. So- that's a fair concern. And again, this is all rumor and conjecture, but if you start reading some of the stories that have come out online, there are other things that are supposedly leaks. I'm not sure if I necessarily believe them that state that there will be games exclusive to the Super Nintendo Switch slash Switch Pro, which would be problematic. And it's not something we've seen with these upgrades within the same generation with, say, Microsoft and Sony on their devices. It was if you got the PS4 Pro or the Xbox one x you could play an enhanced version of that game but it would still run appropriately on say an original launch xbox or ps4 it's part of the problem we ran into with cyberpunk when we talked about that yeah the fact that it ran like crap on a gen 1 playstation 4 and xbox because the hardware was sold so that is a legitimate concern and it would not surprise me if we saw some games that came out and said nope this is only playable on switch pro slash super nintendo switch or whatever, and it's not unheard of. Remember, we had the, uh, what was it, the expansion pack in the N64 when it came out. The only way you could play some games is if you bought the expansion pack or bought the one game that came bundled with an expansion pack and put it in the N64, and then there were certain games from that point forward that would only work with that versus have degraded performance without the expansion pack. So, maybe? And one last thing that I will actually say, because people do like to think that I hate everything, is um, I'll just go ahead and say maybe Nintendo, you could, you know, make some Joy-Cons that don't suck. Uh, I don't know if you know about that, but the Joy-Cons are infamous for drifting and being a problem. And to the point that this last year, 
they opened up a warranty process for pretty much every Joy-Con that exists if you're having problems. Like they go back years and years and years and they'll cover the warranty, which is a terrible process as well because you have to send off your bloody Joy-Cons. I know this because I have two in my hand right now that I need to send off now that my son decided he was going to go and change the colors. My other son, by the way, uh, he was going to change his. He can go and send the bloody Joy-Cons off so that they can get fixed because now he actually has spares that he can use because he went and out of his own pocket, which again, you made another kid cry, uh, have Joy-Cons while these are being warranty sent off. Yes, I have to literally send them off. Uh, damn it, Nintendo. Your game is too popular for the so, quality that it is. So devil's advocate, how would you suggest they handle a warranty replacement on that? Send you the Joy-Cons first because then people would never send in credit card deposit. I've, no, that's I, true. I, but... I've had it done with phones before where they that was the process they did was they took a credit card deposit, um, sent off the phone. I, I could see that, but that's not necessarily conducive to a minor wanting to trade them in. However, I, I think the option should be there because otherwise you're literally without the controllers for your game for six weeks plus was when I filed this at Christmas was what well, people were saying. This is the insidious part of it. This encourages you to go buy other Joy-Cons so you can send in your broken ones. Exactly. Or reduce your screen time and go outside and play. Yeah, that's and not going to happen. I'm not allowed to be around people. No, you don't have to be around people. Just go outside. Run around your house. I don't care. Nah, terrible process. Uh, terrible quality Joy-Cons, and they should probably make a better product. Uh, moving on to the next news point here, we have... Space news. Fishing. We do. Last week was a pretty exciting week, at least for me. It was great. The anticipation was building up. I tried to miter my caution, my expectations quite a bit, but my hopes were pretty high. And the viewing that we got was spectacular. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about the launch of SN10. We're going to take this down by the numbers as I know of it as of like noon today was the last time I had a chance to do any research so the starship sn10 spacecraft touched down successfully after a high altitude test flight on wednesday march 3rd but the vehicle exploded while leaning but standing upright about eight minutes after landing for those of you that have not seen the rut event the video is pretty spectacular uh, a lot of people joke and say the sn10 actually had two flights one planned and one unplanned so go ahead and check out the video of it. It's pretty cool. Both amateur slash crowdfunded media and SpaceX high resolution video taken during the event and reviewed extensively by GuineaGeek.com show personnel clearly depict SN10's landing gear deploying, but not firmly locking in place while fluttering shortly before touchdown. Perhaps complicating manners, flames were clearly visible upon engine shutdown of two of the three Raptors after all three successfully ignited. Now these flames were never extinguished, but it is unknown what the correlation may be between the ongoing fire after the engine out and the potential crush damage from the touchdown due to mal malfunctioning landing gear. Also, there might have been a thrust issue with just one engine that contributed to this whole thing, whereas the spacecraft actually needs two engines to provide enough thrust for a soft landing versus one. 
Now, assuming a similar FAA mishap safety review will be accomplished for the SN10 RUD, as was accomplished after the SN9 mishap event, the SN11 test flight could come within the next few days or weeks. Now, the SpaceX Starship prototype test article SN11 was rolled out to the launch pad today in a nine-hour live stream coverage. My hat is off to the guys at NASA Space Flight. Now, Stephen, you mentioned at the top of the show the unfortunate name for NASA Space Flight. So what is your issue with it? Uh, my, my issue is that they use the NASA logo on their logo. Um, they have very little indication that they're not an official NASA property. And whenever there is any big event going on, they're covering it. So naturally, they show up high on the YouTube, YouTube algorithm. And the reason I take big issues is because while they have really great video coverage, they have all sorts of um, remote control cameras, not robots, remote control cameras in play there. That means that they can keep covering things, you know, in zones that have to be cleared out and things like that. Uh, their audio quality is pretty bloody bad. And because they're using the NASA name, it almost is like a, I don't know, it, it doesn't represent well for what might look like a official broadcast, even though it's not. So a whole mix of problems. It's definitely amateur crowdfunded coverage for sure. Chris, do you have a point about it? What was confusing to me on that one is I watched not this last launch, but the one before it on YouTube. And I did a search for SpaceX rocket launch. That was one of the channels that came up and had a little verified checkbox next to it. So I was like, is this NASA doing this? And I watched for a few minutes like, I don't think this is NASA and start doing some other searches before I kind of went, okay, this is someone who is using the name NASA in their, in their title or their, or their channel name, which is fine. But like you said, Stephen caused a bit of confusion for me because it's like NASA's covering this. I didn't think this was them. And the verified check mark is really kind of what threw me because that's what I looked for when I was looking to go and watch the rocket launch was verified channels so that I wasn't catching like someone who's just pirating the stream on them, putting their own overlays over top of it and being like, haha, look at the coverage I'm doing when I'm actually stealing it from someone else. And to be fair, like they do have good good video overall, and yes, they yeah. are knowledgeable people. But the other thing that grinds my gear that I forget, for a, a layman like me, or a, a, anyways, they're knowledgeable. But here's the thing is there's lots of people doing the super chat. And that also rubs me the wrong way because I wonder how many people think that their super chat money is going towards NASA. But I don't think NASA uses super chat. Exactly. Stuff in exactly. there. Exactly. But you don't know... I, People who are donating, they might not know it's going to yeah, so, something so else. This is a separate problem outside of like space coverage. It's a problem that you have with YouTube and Twitter accounts and things like that that name their accounts similar to the official account names. And I don't think it's done maliciously in this case. This is done this way because it makes sense for what they're named. But you see it with some other folks that will maliciously name their Twitter account. So if something's supposed to have an L in it, they put an uppercase I or something like that in it to make it look like it is similar to the official accounts. So while I agree it's problematic, it's not malicious in this case. So I'm just more like, hey, these are enthusiasts that wanted to make sure you could find their stuff. It's not really problematic to me. It's annoying, I guess, a little bit until you realize what's going on. SP, what's right. your thoughts? <laughs> so I actually know the history of this and the name. And honestly, this is a discussion that probably would be better off over at Better Podcasting. 
So this is a branding name issue because they started this 10, 15, 20 years ago. They were covering literally NASA launches. They were covering shuttle launches. So the channel name was named NASA Spaceflight. And because it just took off over the years, they just kept the channel. They haven't rebranded. Now, honestly, they probably need to rebrand because they're covering more than NASA. They are not just covering the Boca Chica, Texas area. They also cover uh, SpaceX seaport issues, you know, the vessels that are going in and out for landing and catching the fairings and stuff like that. There's been some interesting stuff going on with the ships with the fairing net catching. They've actually had their arms taken off. So don't know what's going on with that. That's just happened in the last week. So they have all this coverage and they cover actual launches. So they're not just covering SpaceX. They're covering anything that's launching from the United States. It's what they do. They're enthusiasts and they're amateur media. I say amateur. They probably need to be thought of as professional, but they're crowdfunded. They're not funded by corporations. They're not funded by advertisements or commercialization or stuff like that. That's why I say amateur. They're crowdfunded. Anyway, that's the history behind this. They're old and honestly, the name needs to be changed, but it is what it is for now. And mm-hmm. they are not affiliated. I will footstomp this. They are not affiliated with actual NASA. And I agree with all the points you made. And that was your one time SP has agreed with me. So let's move <laughs> on with this event coverage here. Another site news, the first BM1 test article has been mated to a stronger test stand as it undergoes final assembly and checks before its first test, which will probably just be a tank pressurization test. And as you guys recall, there was a lot of tank pressurization tests that just imploded and nothing happened with them. I doubt they're going to do that with this because it's just so expensive. It's not just a small tank. It's actually the stack booster here. I remember when my doctor sent me for a BM test. Moving on, there has been no timetable given by SpaceX for any future events, and observations are largely from crowdfunded media such as Boca Chica Gal, Mary is her name, and RGV Aerial Photography, as well as routine coverage from known space news coverage outlets like Space.com, Space News, and Space Flight Now. Now, aside from the Rudd event, the mini video of the SN10 powering up after its glide portion of its flight flipping to a vertical orientation and shutting down two of the three Raptor engines was a viral moment in the next two days after the event. And if you haven't seen it yet, I have posted a link to one of the many Twitter tweets with the 10 second video or GIF. I've seen both. And it's what I posted was just an example. There are literally hundreds. If you go back in the timeline and search for hashtag SpaceX, you'll find a bunch of stuff there. Now, the other bit of news in this whole thing with SpaceX is Elon Musk. I don't know what he was thinking because sometimes he tweets and you kind of wonder where it's coming from. Mentioned that he wants to create a new city in Texas called Starbase. Now, it is unclear if he's going to take over Boca Chica, Texas and make it Starbase, if he's going to make a new one or what's going on there. But there's a lot of stuff going on in the SpaceX complex surrounding Boca Chica and There is your Boca Chica names for this podcast in case you're part of the drinking game. Moving on to another discouraging piece of news, I think, for you two, or at least uh, very worrying, is the Hubble about, it's probably about a day ago now, posted this tweet. 
And this is from at NASA Hubble, the actual verified NASA Hubble Twitter account. At approximately 4 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Sunday, the Hubble Space Telescope went into safe mode due to an onboard software error. All science systems appear normal and Hubble is safe and stable. The team is working plans to safely return it to normal science operations. Now, I know you two specifically have this huge relationship, this huge affinity towards Hubble. So I just wanted to tell you guys what was going on. And we will cover this again next week to make sure everything's okay. Uh, tell me, um, how many days has James Webb spent in space? It depends on your version of time travel and multiverse. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I'll tell you, the answer as of now in this universe is zero. So still, Hubble Hubble is far superior to James Webb in every uh, way that you can think. I heard this was all Suncast's fault. He applied a patch to Hubble because he wanted to watch some pirated cable programming and was using Hubble as a relay. So blame Suncast in the secret Mars base because he just had to watch the hidden season of Big Brother that was on the internet that he dug out somewhere. <laughs> it was the space Big Brother. <laughs> I, I have to give, and I rarely do this, but I'm I'm going to break uh, character here and, and go in the chat. Kent just put, and, and he didn't say this, but he posted something that alluded to it. It was Agatha after all. <laughs> so he's blaming Agatha for the Hubble. Uh, okay, so, but but we don't know. Like, it sounds like the Hubble's going to go back to normal, right? So, you know, it's just another proof of its resilience. And that's the takeaway from today's Hubble Look, story. They just had to turn it off and back on again. IT solutions in action. Funny story. I had to do that with my HVAC system. It was not working, so I had to actually go down to the breaker, turn off both the air conditioning and the heat in the furnace breakers in order to reset the hub in order to have it reset. And that's a whole nother con that's, you know, another story on smart stuff. Did, but did Suncast do that, too? I'm going to blame Agatha on that. OK, I, I know we're kind of jumping all over the place here, but there was something I wanted to actually legitimately touch on with the uh, test launch there of the SN10 and. I, I think that we need to talk a little bit more or at least acknowledge a little more about the point that you said where it, it did get scrubbed at the point one second mark or whatever that was. Oh, yeah. And the computer scrubbed it yeah. at zero, zero point one seconds. Exactly. Yeah. I think you alluded to that while you were saying that, but that was really cool because it, it looked like it was about to go and the computer scrubbed it right, right. Like you said, point one seconds. And what I found fascinating about this was the fact that we were able to, uh, we, I say we, but they were able to launch actually an hour or so later, which someone More had, like three hours, yeah. whatever it was, three hours, an hour, same thing when you've been waiting all day. Uh, and, and so the fact that they could do that because so many rockets, you know, they were talking about how you have to wait like a week to, to get them to be able to try again. And here we were seeing this happen a couple hours later. So I thought that that was a really cool thing. And I don't know when, when the space industry is trying to make reusable rockets, I think that's a good thing that they can go scrub and a few hours later launch. Yeah. To be clear, it was scrubbed because one of the thrusts, the early readings on the thrust on one of the three engines was out of bounds. So they decided to, uh, from what the computer could read. So they decided to scrub the launch. They actually determined that the, 
excess thrust, in this case it was producing more thrust than they had planned on, was okay. They could use that. So they went with it. And if you watch the, I don't know what to call it, the bell housing camera, the one that looks in the combustion area, you can clearly see one of the nozzles is glowing blue or the flame coming out of is blue and one is red. So there's different heat variances between the two engines. I don't have any idea if that's what led to the explosion later on or not. But these were always planned just to be a one launch prototype. It has now come out or maybe they're just saying that. So it's just meant to use once. Now, 15 will be different because 15 is an entirely different. It's a new uh, design. It's manufactured a little bit differently. So I don't know if 15, SN15, is meant for one use or not. We'll see. And there are others that they're making after that. So SN11 will be the last in this generation of design. And hopefully it will actually land and not blow up when it, after it lands. Well, we'll see. The landing struts are an issue. It's a known issue. They needed to be upgraded, but Elon is so go, go, go. He's like, I don't care as long as it actually gets on the ground. It looks like it landed. I'm fine for now, and we'll just move on to the next one. So SN15 will have beefier landing gear on it. I also understand moving on to the next space thing that you have an NSFW report. Is that what you were saying? You, have, you want to talk about no, an NSFW report? National Science Foundation. There's no W. Oh. National Science Foundation. So we covered the Arecibo collapse a couple of months ago and the, and the whole thing leading up to that. Well, a report by the National Science Foundation estimates that it will cost up to $50 million to clean up the damage from the collapsed radio telescope but that it is still too soon to determine whether or how to rebuild the observatory. The NSF released a report on March 5th, which was a seven-page report, and it had to submit that to Congress in response to language in the fiscal year 21 appropriations bill enacted in December of 2020. That bill asked for a report within 60 days about the cause of the collapse of the 305-meter radio telescope and future plans for the site. Now, the report largely summarized what it had previously stated about the damage the telescope sustained in August and November of 2020, leading the agency to decide that a controlled demolition of the telescope was the best option. However, before that work began, the observing platform suspended above the disk, broke free from one of the three towers supporting it, and crashed the dish below. NASA, by the way, since we've been talking a lot about NASA, was not involved in either the NSF report or the white paper about a proposed replacement, but it is keeping tabs on the status of the telescope. NASA only provides a very small amount of funding for the observatory, and most of it came from the National Science Foundation. NASA was not involved, but NASA Space Reports was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so just as I've been closing up these segments in the past, also coming up right now, uh, the SLS Green Run core stage test at Stennis Space Center will happen sometime in March. I would imagine that in about two weeks. We'll see. SpaceX Crew 2 mission is still slated for March 30th. And this is new this week. Quote, later in April, unquote, will be the Boeing CST-100 Starliner OFT-2 test. I will believe that when I see it, Boeing. April Fool's. <laughs> yeah. Boeing has a lot of issues. We talked about that last podcast. And uh, also coming up is the NASA award for the option B down select for the human landing system. I have been hearing, I think we're going to see a change to this. I've been hearing a whole bunch of issues 
about the Artemis program and what the schedule will be underneath the Biden administration based on funding. And just this is the national budget for the United States right now. So I would expect that this may be delayed even further right now. Right now, it's supposed to be April, May time ish. And then the crude flight test for the Starliner CST-100 is still scheduled for June. I will believe that when I see it. (laughs) And Stephen's favorite one is the James Webb Space Telescope launch is still scheduled for the 31st of October, 2021. Also known, by the way, under the name, the Inferior Hubble. That's the name of it. Whatever you want. (laughs) All right, well, moving on to the next news point here. Let's continue talking about rumors. There's a rumor that the iPhone is going to get rid of the notch and move towards a punch hole camera. This is according to a new rumor from Ming-Chi Ko. It was that in 2022, there will be a, a shift with the higher end iPhones, presumably under the iPhone 14 line that will see the punch hole style camera that we've seen on things like Samsung and Google phones. Apparently, if the production yield to this type of camera and display is plentiful, they might see that across the entire iPhone 14 line, whatever that looks like at that time, which judging off of this year's iPhone will probably only be around 40 or 50 different versions of the iPhone 14. There's no further details about how Apple would really work in those critical components that they've included for things like the face ID that apparently is why there is such a large notch on the iPhones. But some people are thinking this will have to do with under display technologies that I think we'll see continue to advance in cell phones as seems to be going So I wanted to bring this up for a couple of reasons. One, I wanted to put it over here to Chris before I ask SP a question. You've had a punch hole style camera for a bit now. I've had one as well. What do you think of the punch hole camera now that you've used it for a while? This is for those, if you're not familiar, the Google Pixel 5 and the Pixel 4a have a camera in the top left corner of the screen that looks like uh, a hole punch, basically. So it's it's just in the middle of the screen. I don't know if that's showing up. <laughs> the, the 4A 5G is in the top left-hand corner of the screen. Yeah, sorry, the top left. Uh, yeah, not the middle, the top left. The 4A is the top left as well. So I want to know, what do you think of this style? So first of all, I think it's cool some of the tech we're seeing now, which is putting the cameras under the screen and having them work. If you follow Mr. Mobile on YouTube, Michael Fisher, he's actually reviewed a few phones that have that but they are not without their complications and the picture quality is hot garbage right now. So I understand why Apple would be looking at punch holes. I will say this. I am not, I don't care about a selfie camera. So for the most part, it was, well, all these phones have them anymore. So I guess I have to deal with them. I'm okay, I guess, with the punch hole camera at this point in time. It's more just a matter of getting used to it. And I don't know whether I'd like it more centered on screen like we saw with some of the older phones that have been out there or what they've done on the 4A 5G in the far left-hand corner. What's really weird is, as a longtime Android user, I'm used to looking in the top left-hand corner of the screen for the time up in the system tray. And since that camera's there, it just pushes everything that would be in the tray a little further over to the right. So what's annoying is you can get the clock and about three icons, and then none of the rest of the icons would show up in your notification tray. So 
it's okay, I guess. I'm, I'm more just used to it and have acknowledged the fact that I really don't have much choice in the matter because pretty much all of these camera, all of these phones at some point now have a punch hole camera on them. I think even the currently lo- current line of uh, Galaxy S phones and Galaxy Note phones are also punch hole cameras on them. So it is what it is. I understand the reasoning why you would do that because it allows you to put a camera in there that doesn't have reduced video quality, stuff like that. I, if they could find a way to make it viable to have the camera be under the display and not suck, that's the way to go. But the tech isn't there yet. Yeah, my thoughts are pretty similar to yours is that it was more of an adjustment thing for me. I, I will say, like, I, I don't really see the argument to having a notch over a punch hole camera because, like, either way, you're losing real estate well, in that corner. So, like, but what's what is the advantage of having a notch if it can be accomplished with a punch hole camera. See, the nice thing is if you had a notch or even a punch hole that was in the center of the screen, like we saw on, uh, oh, what was the, the essential phone? I think it was had a punch hole in the center of the screen, if I recall correctly, or at the top center, excuse yeah. me, not like dead center in your screen. And that actually makes more sense, at least for notifications on an Android perspective, because you can actually show more notifications on that bar across the top of the screen. That's really the thing that annoys me the most. And it's really just annoyance. It's not like I'm raging or angry. It's more of, Ugh, I can't see all these notifications that are accumulating as easily because they don't show up. What do I need to do to see a raging Chris? <laughs> That's I, I need to see that sometime. Make me watch the Snyder cut and then have to talk about it for four hours and I will rage. All no, right. Uh, all right. Starling Tribune is coming up with a new episode. I'm retired. Okay. Uh-huh. Four hour Gunna Geek after its release coming to you soon. I am officially putting in my notice of retirement from podcasting. <laughs> I mean, I'm just taking a shot at the Snyder Cut. I'd be able to talk about it, but I, I try and make it a point, in all seriousness, not to be raging Chris on the internet because nobody wants to go see any of us flip our lid about something that's dumb. It's one thing to do it as kind of a gag and play mm-hmm. around, but I don't think anyone wants to see. One of us have a temper tantrum on the internet as we talk about something. That's true. Uh, all well, right. I mean, I kind of want to see Steven have a temper tantrum because it'd be hilarious. Maybe I will. We've already seen the rebel. <laughs> I mean, we saw it about the Nintendo Switch the past couple of weeks. No, <laughs> SP, you've dogged on the iPhone notch since before you've owned an iPhone with the notch. Now that you've had the notch for a while, what is your thoughts on the notch? Are you thinking that the notch is as problematic as you once thought? Are you used to it? Do you wish the notch was gone? What's your thoughts? I wish in the next iPhone generation, whatever they call it, 14, whatever, I wish they would use a USB-C instead of a lightning connector. But the same rumors that we're talking about states that there are no plans to switch the type of connector or enable iPhones to have an integrated thumbprint sensor in the side power button. That's annoying, too. So then are you for the notch or are you against the notch? I really, in this day and age, the lightning connector is really (laughs) annoying and I really need them to move away from the lightning connector. I I, I think I sort of see what SP might be getting at here, which is you don't really have a choice. It's not even worth really getting frustrated about in regards to the notch. It is what it is. We, We adjust to it. We grumble about it before we have it. We get it and then we go, "Eh, I guess I can live with this. So are you for the notch or are you against the notch? (laughs) All right, I'll give it to you. I am against the notch. I think it's annoying. I think 
Uh, Chris, I, w- I wanted to ask a question on yours. I don't remember where the speaker is. You know, th- th- if you're holding it up and you're taking a phone call, where the speaker is in yours, because that's integrated into the notch in the iPhone here. I this think is- it's yeah, it's right at the very top of the screen. You can barely see it. There's a little okay. speaker grill right above the top. Yeah, unfortunately, and it's not going to show up on camera here, but the the speaker is down. It's not right at the top. It's down a little bit. So it's more integrated in the notch and and maybe they just lowered it because they had the real estate in the notch or not. Uh, I do understand why it's there. I do understand why you got to take real estate away because you got to put the camera somewhere Uh, and they're doing their best to use the real estate in the top left and, and right hand. But I just, I, I am not a fan of it. I'm not a fan of the lost real estate. I would prefer a symmetrical screen when you put it in horizontal mode and you're watching like a high definition YouTube video or Disney plus or Netflix or whatever, you lose that real estate over there. It's just blanked out. I mean, you can kind of see that it's there, but it's just, it's a, it's a lighter black than the rest of the screen. I just, I think it's all annoying. I like, I just give me a symmetrical screen. If you need to take a little bit more bevel on one side, one entire side to Mm. do all this, do it that way. It's a compromise and I don't have any choice in it. I have to have iOS. As long as my little sister is still alive and she's using her iPad to call me, I have to have an iOS device. I have to have an iOS phone because I can get these calls wherever. She's been calling me left, right, and backwards. By the way, she's mentally handicapped and working in a, or uh, living in a group home. And she just got her vaccination shot last Thursday. This is just an example. She was so excited she has an IQ of 20 and she understood what it was that she was getting. She called my sister because I was at work. She called my sister five times that day and she tried to get a hold of me. I finally got a hold of her on Saturday and she was like, yeah, I I am so I'm above you and everything. She didn't realize what had been going on around her, but she realized she could have it, which meant that she could leave the mm. house. She has not been able to leave the house in a year. So it was big for her. And that phone call meant a lot to her in the last year, meant a lot to her. So I am, for those that don't understand why I use iOS and I might dog on it from time to time, I use it because I have to. Uh, But I really wish I didn't have to use the notch because that is very annoying. And this is the, this is the most premier phone that Apple has right now. It's the 12 Pro Max. It's the highest uh, storage on it. it's the 512 yes big spender yeah I, I understand not everybody can afford a phone like that um i i want i'm old guys i'm older than you i i'm closer to retirement a lot closer to retirement than you guys are and i just want to enjoy life a little bit and and use this sort of stuff and if i could get it without the notch i would so long answer to your question but yes no notch would be my preference and let's be honest, we all know it'll go away eventually because eventually the tech will may be made smaller and smaller. So at the very least, it'll fit into a small bezel or we'll be able to hide behind a screen. And we've already seen it with Android phones, which are using less sophisticated sensors to do face rect unlock phone. That's what we need to caveat here. They're not using like 3D depth sensors like Apple is for face ID, but we've seen them already move away from having the big notches to small punch out holes to now exploring under display cameras. It's what we're moving towards. Apple just can't get there yet because of the size of that sensor and the complexity of it. Right. Well, I look forward to seeing what happens there in the future. But let's go ahead and move on to Chris telling SP and I 
why he has technology that we don't have. That is the purpose of your segment is to tell us about all the things that you own that we don't, right? Well, that's just because I get sad and buy myself technology to feel better. <laughs> I mean, I'm only I'm only like 60% joking when I say that. I just get sad <laughs> and eat an entire bag of chips. That's how I well, I deal with it. Do you not have Girl Scout cookies up there? I didn't order any this year. So no, I wasn't I have, asking you. I was asking uh, the big guy over there that likes chips. The big kahuna. Uh, we, we do have girl guide cookies, I believe is the name up here. And okay. um, I don't think that they did them this year. Okay. So pivoting over to what I was going to talk about on this show, I've talked about a variety of different Bluetooth headphones, all of the earbud variety. So I'm here to talk to you about another version and this is mostly because I got a screaming hot deal and went, you know, these would be good to toss in my gym bag whenever I can, you know, go back to the gym. And I don't care if anything happens to them. So what are we talking about today? I bought a pair of the uh, Jabra or Jabra, I don't know how you say it, Elite 65T Active headphones. What does that basically mean? It's the waterproof or more waterproof version of their 65T headphones. And much like all the rest of them, they come in a nice little case. This serves as a battery pack to charge up the headphones, things like that. And we'll run through and discuss that. So before we dig into that, I do want to remind folks, this is, I think, the fourth installment on Chris Explores different Bluetooth earbuds and things like that. We started off with the TickPods free, free, excuse me, probably like three or four years ago at this point. I then talked about the Amazon Echo Buds, moving on to the Google Pixel Buds 2. And now we're into the 65Ts. Yes, Kent, in the chat room, these are the 65Ts, they're older tech. So why did I get them? Uh, because I was on slick deals and I went, huh, 39 bucks for headphones that I don't, I don't have to care about what happens to them. I'm in for this. Basically, it was a slick deal I saw. Newegg was selling them. These are factory refurbished by Jabra as well. So they're not brand new, but effectively are brand new because of the fixes or they've been returned and cleaned. And what was interesting is I bought them from Newegg, but it shipped direct from Jabra. The shipping label inside and the receipt were all linked to them. So Newegg was literally just the middleman in this case. Mm. It was free shipping. So $39.99 for a set of headphones that right now retail for $99.99, but I'd seen some recent sales where they were down to $79.99. That sounds slick. Slick deal you got there. It was a pretty slick deal. Before we dig too deep and dive into this, I want to give a little bit of background on these headphones. Near as I can tell, they were released in early 2018. So these are older headphones than the Pixel Buds and the Echo Buds, which I have reviewed before. They are newer than the TickPod Free. TickPods Free. It's really hard to say. I stuttered through that. Uh, one of the important things to note in here with all of these buds is what is the battery life? And it's sort of in line with what you would expect from the others with a caveat. By sort of in line, I mean on a single charge, these buds will last about five hours. That's what the Pixel Buds will roughly do. That's what the Echo Buds will roughly do. And I honestly don't remember what the Tick Pods would do. It might have been broken, so I haven't really been able to use them in at least a year at this point in time. Here's where things get tricky. Is the, uh, the battery, or the cases rather, for the Amazon and Google versions, they've got like three or four charges for the headphones in them. The Jabra ones have two charges. So I've got mm -hmm. 10 hours of battery life in the case and five hours of battery life in the headphones. You've still got 15 hours of battery life, so it's really not 
the end of the world, but you don't have as much long-term sustainability if you're disconnected or if you're forgetting to charge these on a regular basis. What is nice on these is if you've ran the headphones for a while and your batteries are almost dead, they will charge uh, an hour and a half of use on the headphones in 15 minutes, supposedly. Hmm. Which pretty nice, pretty speedy. That's roughly on par with what you see out of the equivalent Google and Amazon products. And uh, I did talk about how the fact the Pixel Buds had a USB-C charger on the bottom of it and a wireless charger, but the Echo Buds only had micro USB or mini USB. I can't remember which is the right one here. This is also mini USB on the bottom. So if you're living that USB-C lifestyle, you're not quite there and there is no wireless charging capability. Now, also remember, these came out in 2018. So that was at the very beginning of when you were seeing USB-C be put on peripherals. You'd seen it on cell phones already, but not as much on peripherals. So I can sort of forgive that because it's not as problematic for for what it was at its time. I mean, it's three-year-old tech almost at this point in time. I did talk about these in the last ones. The weight of the uh, headphones. The right one is 6.5 grams. The left one, 5.8 grams. And the charging case weighs 67 grams. So not terribly heavy. I did find wearing these in my ears that they were probably the second heaviest out of the three I rotate through. I think the Pixel Buds feel the lightest in my ears. These are the second lightest and the Echo Buds felt the heaviest in the ear for lack of a better term. I don't know if that really equates to their actual weights, but the way they're designed and they hang in your ears, that's how it felt, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. This is Bluetooth 5.0, which when you go back to early 2018 when these came out, That was a big deal because most things were 4.1 or 4.2, so they future-proofed a little bit there. And the nice thing, because these are the active version of the Jabra Elites, it is IP56 rated design, and if you register via the Jabra app, as soon as you connect to that, you get a two-year warranty that protects against damage from sweat and dust. So that means if you're wearing them at the gym and you sweat a lot and and your headphones die for some reason, they're replaceable under warranty. It doesn't mean if you drop them in the toilet, they're replaceable, but if your workflow is to take them to the gym, sweat like a maniac, and who cares, you're covered for two years, which was pretty cool. And if you were paying full price for that, much bigger deal than me paying 40 bucks for refurbs. I have seen so many people using wireless earbuds run into this issue. My daughter ran into this issue with AirPod Pros, actually. They're operating in an environment which inherently gets wet. And I really think, I mean, there's only so much you can do. I get it, but I would be very hesitant to plunk down even 40 bucks like you did, knowing that if I was working out heavily or if I was doing yard work or something like that, and I just sweat into it and and it frizzed out that I would have to go buy a new one every like, however often that happens, every three weeks, every month, every two months, something like that. So this is really important. Yeah. The two-year warranty is really important there. And for some people going, why don't they make it longer? Well, let's be honest. These are lithium ion batteries in there. By the time you hit the two year mark on them, probably two or three years, those batteries aren't going to be holding their charge near well enough. And you're probably looking to replace them at that point in time. Yeah. So that, that's gonna a consideration. Be, yeah. You're going to be looking to replace them just because the technology advances in two years anyway. Yeah. Let's get into the actual use of these to an extent. Pairing. Pairing is easy or difficult, depending on what kind of headphones you're using. Those of you in the Apple side of the house, if you use AirPods or AirPods Pro, you know it's really easy. Just open the case next to your device, click the connect button, and you're good to go because it'll give you a pop-up on screen. We've seen similar with the Pixel Buds on Pixel devices where you've just opened the uh, Pixel Buds case. And if you have a Pixel device or a newer Android phone, 
it basically puts a pop-up on screen and you push the connect button. When you start getting into your more traditional ones that aren't really baked into the OSs to have these kind of connectivity, you get into the more traditional Bluetooth pairings. What do I mean in this case? Well, for the Jabra Elites, you have to do it the old school way, which really isn't that hard, but was annoying. And I will say, when I first went to do this, they were not charged coming from the factory. The case was dead and the headphone batteries themselves were dead also. So when I first tried to do the pairing, I got really annoyed because I couldn't get things to work. I'm like, ah, oh, this is what I get for buying refurbs. The damn things are broken. And I went, oh no, I probably need to charge them, which is strange because all of these other ones I've bought have come pre-charged, but it could be a consequence of buying our refurbished set of headphones. So after I charged them for about an hour, so they at least have charge, Pairing was actually pretty easy. You pop open the case, you take out the right headphone, you hold the button for three seconds, and then you do the same thing on the left one, and you get a weird, almost British-sounding voice that comes across the headphones and goes, uh, pairing ready, uh, open up the Bluetooth settings on your phone. And once you plug in your phone, or open your phone, open Bluetooth, you just connect, and like any other set of Bluetooth headphones, they're then connected. From that point forward, when you want to listen on these headphones, you just open the case and pop the headphones in and they connect automatically. So pairing, not hard, but not nearly as intuitive and seamless as we've seen with the Pixel Buds and the AirPods with their respective platforms. Do you think that it felt friendlier because it was a British voice? I feel like that would be the case. I Sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> we'll go with that. We have talked about on these other devices, they all have assorted touch controls, be it with a touch-sensitive area on there or buttons you can click. With the Jabra Elites, there are buttons you click. It's not touch-sensitive ones where you can just swipe your finger back and forth to adjust volume. So what is it you do here to make things work? If you have the left butt out, if you push forward, the button is on a rocker. If you push forward, it's volume up. If you push backwards, it's volume down. If you have the right headphone out, it has just one button on it, and it is uh, a long press to trigger your smart assistant, be it Amazon voice services, Apple voice services, or Google assistant. And for a single tap, I think it's configurable and I have that set to play and pause currently. So you don't have a lot of button configurations like we talked about with some of these other devices where you could bring up on screen and change what your different swipes do and have long presses and quick presses. But if you're going to the gym, you don't need anything more than volume up, volume down, and the ability to trigger your smart assistant to change your playlist or something like that. So I think this would meet what the needs are. And if you look at this at the early 2018 vibe, it makes sense. Yes, sir, SP. I would like, after having used these for a while, well, not these, but the Apple AirPod Pros, I would like the ability to do a skip forward or fast forward, just like 15 seconds, 30 seconds or whatever I set it to. And maybe that exists and I just don't know how to do it, but it's, if it even does exist, just with the one touch control, it's very difficult to remember everything other than on or off. So no joke, when I was listening to podcasts at the gym, that's when the easiest thing to do was instead of fighting with the headphones or the phone screen, I had an Android Wear smartwatch I was wearing that mm, was ruggedized yeah. for that. And I had the media controls on screen, so I could just go over and hit the skip button on the media yeah. controls and problem solved. I don't think there's a great way with headphones to do that quick skip because then you're just sitting there going like this all the time. I did have right. some wired Bluetooth headphones I was using that were like 20 bucks that had like play fast forward yeah. and rewind controls on it. And that would do that. But I'm not sure that the wireless buds will do that. Okay. 
I want like accelerometer controls where like if you just twitch a certain way, it does it. So you look like data mm. all the time where you're just twitching so your neck. The These do have accelerometers in them and I haven't gotten to explore it very well, supposedly to help with like workout tracking and things like that. But I'd be willing to bet that somebody's probably tried to find a way to do accelerometer controls with them. Or maybe that's why they put it in there originally to try and do something like that. And I fully admit I have not explored deep enough to know how well or what all the accelerometer does. So it's entirely possible that they might do that. And I just haven't realized it yet because I haven't figured it out. Just one thing to keep in mind. Uh, one of the things we did mention with the other buds, like the pixel buds and things like that is you could use one earbud at a time and it wasn't right. a problem. Same with the echo buds, the tick pods, you could only use the right bud. The left bud would not work independently of it. The Jabra elites are similar. You cannot use a single bud interchangeably. You can put the left pod back in the case and you can use the right one solo. So basically what they're doing is the right bud is the master, which then syncs with the left bud. So again, early 2018 technology, that's kind of what the norm was for wireless earbuds at that point in time. And not necessarily as problematic because if I'm at the gym, I'll probably be wearing both. And if I wasn't, one of their special features helps, which is they have a noise pass through capability. So you could tweak the noise pass through to be listening to your news or your podcast or your music and still be able to hear what's going on around you. So my use case wouldn't have me wearing one bud very often, but I could see where that'd be problematic for some folks. And some folks might be like, I want it in my left butt all the my left ear rather. And that wouldn't work in this case. I have an issue in my right ear, so I hardly ever use my right AirPod Pro. I, I, I simply don't. I mm -hmm. use the left one, and it works just fine that way for me, and I'm glad I have that. So obviously this wouldn't work for me, but that's just me personally. Right, and and what you're talking about, it makes... Oh, there's other people that are in similar situations, I'm sure. And the way most of these headphones work nowadays is the buds are independent of each other. And you can take a single one out. It doesn't matter whether it's left or right and put it in your ear and be good to go. Back at this time and the same way with the tick pods that were around that same time frame, the only way they could get the audio syncing figured out appropriately without it screwing up a ton was to do it with a master slave relationship in that regard. And they've mostly got that fixed so that things work independently with things like the Pixel Buds and the Echo Buds. But even then, I have times when those will get out of sync because they are both syncing directly with the phone versus with each other, for lack of a better descriptive term. Uh, let's talk special features on these buds. Uh, the Jabras are noise-isolating headphones, like I mentioned, which means they passively seal out ambient noise. So it's a little different than things like the regular AirPods, which have an open design allowing sound to leak in. As a safety feature for runners and bikers, they have what they call their hear-through transparency feature, which you can toggle off and on in their app, and you can also adjust the sensitivity. Basically, what that means is you can have pass-through sounds, so you hear if someone's running up behind you or ringing their bike bell because they're trying to pass you, and you know what's going on. It's similar to what I talked about with the pass-through feature on the Amazon Echo Buds, which would basically enable the microphones to put some of the external sound to come through them so you'd hear them with your music or podcast, things like that. If you're just sitting on the elliptical machine at the gym, you probably wouldn't use this, but if you're running on the track or something like that, I could see where the pass-through capability would be good to toggle off and on. The fact that you have to go through their app to do it is kind of annoying. I think you get spoiled a little bit by being able to double tap the right Echo Bud on the Amazon devices and have that turn that off and on. And Google has their own wizardry that they've done that will basically do pass through of certain sounds to alert you of things with the pixel buds. 
they are also don't seal quite as hard as these other devices. The Jabra Sound app also has an equalizer that you can tweak for your sound profile for music, change things like treble and do bass boost. You can adjust your call audio, things like that. There's an option in there to have your music pause automatically when you pull one of the buds out of your ear and then have it resume when you put it back in. It's a little touchy for me. Maybe I'm just having bad luck that it doesn't always want to resume when I put them back in. Maybe I just need to go and double check that the configuration's right, or maybe I've stopped the music versus paused the music somehow and I don't realize it. I don't really know what's going on there, but it seems like it should work, and other people who have reviewed these didn't really report much issue on them. I did mention earlier you do have access to the Smart Assistant. That's by holding down the right buds button for one second. This does do Apple Assistant. If you have an Apple device, it does Google Assistant. If you have a Google device, and both devices will support Amazon Voice services, so you can trigger your A-word friend. We'll just put it that way. In regards to the Amazon Voice services support, I mean, it's cool that they put it in there and made it an option, but since you have to trigger it with a button push, it's not nearly as convenient as, say, the Echo Buds or the Pixel Buds, where you just say the word and the microphones are always listening and then it responds from there. But again, older tech, so I sort of understand where we're coming from. Do you prefer it when your devices are always listening, Chris? I mean, that is one of the trade-offs is you you do have to realize if you're doing one of those things to not trigger with a button or to trigger without a button push, it's always listening. And you can turn that off. I know for the Echo Buds, I'm pretty sure for the Pixel Buds in the settings, you can go and turn off the always listening feature, but then you lose the ability to trigger your smart assistant with your voice like that. It's a trade-off. It's whatever you're comfortable with. We're getting near the end of my impressions on this. Let's talk sound quality. Uh, I think the sound quality was loads better than my TickPods free. Now, remember, those are really old tech. They've been broken for a while, so I haven't had a chance to really use them to remember what it sounds like. But from what I recall, it sounds better. And I think most of the time, they sound better than my Pixel Buds. (gasps) Caveat. That's without running the Wavelet app that tunes things Mm. a little bit better based off your headphone profile and things like that. And that's without messing with the equalizer and either of their respective applications. That's listening to it with their default sound settings. I think once I've I played with Wavelet on this and I've talked about that app, once I tweaked the sound settings on there, I thought they both sounded about the same, which sort of makes sense based off the nature of that app. But the out-of-the-box experience, I thought the audio quality was just a touch better on the Jabra Elites and the Echo, bu- the Echo Buds, rather, I think have the best sound quality so far out of all the ones I've talked about. That's which kind of surprised me. Yeah, I because like let's put aside your deal price for a minute there. You're talking 2018 technology for a lot cheaper than the current price on the Pixel Buds. I think part well, also here's the other thing to consider is it's also the nature of how the headphone sits in the ear. Is you have a closed seal with the Jabra Elites and the Pix and the Echo Buds and the uh the Pixel Buds. I keep having to say that word and I keep getting twisted in my head. The Pixel Buds have a more open design, so you're not getting that hard seal, so more sound leaks in and things like that. And I think maybe that's what's coloring my opinion a little bit, is that I'm not getting that noise isolation like I do with these other devices. And and let's be clear here. I'm not saying the sound quality is bad on either of these three devices. This is just my complete layman's opinion when I'm sitting here at my desk during the day at work listening to music and rotating out headphones to try and give some initial impressions. Because at one point I was swapping out headphones like every half hour so that I could try and go between them and see which sounded weird or which sounded good, things like that. 
they're all pretty close. They're all close enough. <laughs> uh, in regards to calls, I only took one call on these. The person I was talking to on the phone didn't report any issues hearing me, didn't report any issues with the crackling or anything like that. But as is my normal complaint when I'm using earbuds to make phone calls, I thought the volume was super low that I was getting on my side and I had to turn the volume up pretty much all the way on all of these headphones to be able to hear it when I thought was a comfortable level. And I think that's just the nature of how phone calls route their headphones, to be honest. I've noticed so, that too with the wireless devices that I've tried as well, and it's frustrating. Yeah. It's annoying, but it is what it is. I talked battery already. They're rated for about five hours of life. And this is where I have not done my due diligence. I haven't done a five-hour run on them, but I've worn them for about three and a half hours, and I think I had like 30% battery left, something like that. So I could see being able to get to five hours on a single charge. I, I never had any anxiety about, oh my God, my batteries are going to die when I need something because I'd, I'd kind of made it a point and said, hey, this afternoon after lunch, I'm going to wear these and keep the charging case on the other side of the desk and not worry about plugging them in or anything like that to see whether I'm having weird discharge or anything like that. The, uh, the interesting thing on these ones though, is I talked about with the Pixel Buds, you could see the battery level of the right and left buds separately. You only get a combined battery value for the Jabra devices. So when you pull down your notification tray to look at the battery of the headphones, it'll just say 65% or 50% or whatnot. And I think it only updates in increments of 5% from what I could tell, because when I went and checked, every time I checked, it was always ending on a five or a zero, not any other digits. So maybe that's a limitation of how they connect through Android. I don't know if it would be the same through iOS because I honestly did not connect them to my iPad because I just don't use headphones with my iPad. I'll be honest. <laughs> All right, let's wrap things up because I'm sure you guys are tired of hearing me ramble about headphones here. Let's get into the final verdict of things. I actually really like these devices. I was pretty happy with them. That being said, $39, I think anyone would be happy with these for $39. When we start talking regular price of $99.99, that's where I would start going, hmm, it's a bit older tech. I don't have always active listening to do my smart assistants. I would pay the extra 30 bucks to go get the $129.99 Echo Buds on regular price from Amazon if, if that was not an issue. If price was the issue, go with these and you'll be perfectly fine. And the Pixel Buds at I don't even know what retail price is, probably somewhere around $200. That's probably cost prohibitive from folks. So I would point them towards the Jabra Elite, 65, Elite Active 65Ts or the Echo Buds. Honestly, the Echo Buds, I still think, are your best bang for your buck. The Jabras don't have as many cool features like I talked about. No passive listening, no touch-sensitive controls, pretty simple controls. But as a set of workout buds, I think they're going to be great. Like I mentioned, that two-year warranty, so they can get sweaty and damp. Who cares? There's the sound isolation. What they can do for me, which is what I wanted, is you toss them in a gym bag when you're done or when you're going to the gym. You wear them, toss them back in, and you'll probably get through a week, maybe two, without having to charge them, and you don't really have to worry about them. So they're going to do exactly what I want. I don't have to worry about anything. The only thing that I like more on my daily drivers, and I touched on this, was being able to trigger Google Assistant or Amazon Voice Services, and specifically with the Pixel Buds, I love that it'll read notifications to me, and that's not something you can do with these headphones. You'll get your typical chime or your chirp when a notification comes in, but like what the Pixel Buds will do, it will not read your notifications to you if you hold down on the right bud for a couple seconds to trigger it. In the gym, that's less problematic because I probably don't care to look and see what people are talking to me about. 
if I'm at my desk or I'm walking around at lunch or something like that, having that notification be something that plays on my ear might be more important for me. So just beware of that limitation that you may have in regards to your digital assistants. Uh, I guess to wrap things up, my current ranking of these things, and I kind of touched on it earlier in here, the number one device for me, and this will surprise Steven, that would be my Amazon Echo Buds. That's still my number one right now when it comes to Bluetooth headphones. Even though it no. doesn't have the, the satisfying click of the case. It does not have the satisfying click of the case. Now, I should clarify, it's number one, but you could really call it a 1A and a 1B because I rotate back and forth on a regular basis between the Amazon Echo Buds and the Pixel Buds, which is this device right here. I really like both of these devices. I don't necessarily like the price associated with the Echo Buds. And with them supposedly being close to dropping Echo Buds 3 sometime early this year, I wouldn't suggest anyone buy them right now, especially for their high retail price and compared to other Bluetooth headphones that are out there. You said Echo Buds 3. Do you mean Pixel Buds 3? Pixel Buds. I'm sorry. Okay. I just wanted to yes. clarify because there's sorry, only there's one generation of Echo Buds, right? That's correct. And this is the second generation of Pixel Buds with a third generation rumored to be coming. I've seen April. I've seen June sometime this year, supposedly. So while I really enjoy my uh, Pixel Buds 2, I don't know that I would suggest anyone buy them right now because there's a refresh coming unless there's a price drop. If they drop the price, I would totally do it. And then in third place would be the Jabra Elite Active 65Ts. And one thing just to note with these is these other cases are really easy to open. You just kind of flip them and they open. The Jabra case kind of latches and holds itself shut, which is nice if you're tossing in a gym bag because it's not going to accidentally open. So to open this case, you actually have to squeeze the side of the case and then lift it. So you squeeze and it releases a latch inside. So that's actually a pretty cool feature for tossing a bag. So you don't have to worry about, it. you're not relying on a magnet to hold things shut. It's a plastic latch, which I guess theoretically could break at some point in time, but eh, it, I think it works best in that case. And then in last place, and this is not an indictment on them because they are a much older product, would be my tick pods free just because they're much, much older tech at this point in time. And to be honest, mine have been broken for probably 12 to 18 months at this point in time. So I haven't really used them and I don't really have a fresh impression of them, but they didn't connect in Bluetooth 5.0, things like that. And they didn't have independent use of the bud. You had to use the right one to be able to do things. They're just old tech. And honestly, uh, they don't sell them anymore because there's two new, there are two generations advanced past that now. So I wouldn't be doing my due diligence if I was telling you guys to look up the old tick pods free and go buy yourself some because they're just old at this point in time and probably not supported very well. And there's better tech in the newer stuff. So yeah, that's my impression on these Jabra Elite Active 65Ts. Really good headphones for 40 bucks. It was a steal for a hundred bucks. Like I said, I would lean more towards spending the extra 30 bucks to get Echo Buds. That being said, I don't know when they're planning on doing a hardware refresh of Echo Buds because they're also about two years old at this point in time. So eh, it, you got to gamble, I guess, if you're in the market for Bluetooth <laughs> headphones at this point in time. Well, thank you for continuing to add to your plethora of reviews of headphones. I actually genuinely like them because uh, mm -hmm. you've you've put a bunch head to head and it is, it's great to be able to hear the differences and also, um, I'm hoping one day that you'll actually review something that's for me because my name's not Jim and you keep talking about Jim's bag, but that's <laughs> not, not me. So, well, I have to keep saying that so that when, you know, I actually get a needle stuck on my arm and have 
the vaccination, I get back into the habit that I'd been developing of going to the gym. I haven't been going because, you know, pandemic restrictions and stuff like that. And I don't really have gym equipment here. So if I keep talking about and I buy things like this to help support that habit, I'm hoping that the opportunity then affords itself to me be like, yeah, get back in the habit. Start doing this three, four days a week again like you were. Uh, yeah, I need to be good. <laughs> I need to be good. Guys, remember about 10, 12 years ago where people were rocking around with the Bluetooth in, in their cell phone talking. You We call them Bluetooth douches or, or whatever. Yeah. You guys remember yeah. that? Yeah, they still yeah. are out there. They still are. Oh, okay. Continue. I was going to say, say we've come a long way since then, but no, I no. guess in Canada, you're still stuck there. There's still people who, they're always like the delivery guy that has the independent delivery business that <laughs> walks down the street and is like, yeah, 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 yeah I'll, I'll be there in like 10 minutes. Yeah, I'll make it happen for you. And, and, and you know, they're not talking to anybody. They're just trying to sound important. Yeah, but now they don't hang one of those weird Bluetooth headsets off the yeah. ear that never would stay in place like it was supposed to. Now they just have like an AirPod or a, another wireless earbud in one ear probably, and they do it that way. So at least it's a little less uh, noticeable. Bear, I because- was legit in the grocery store a couple of weeks ago, and this lady was like, I don't know, I thought she was talking to me, and, and she wasn't. She was talking on her bluetooth device i honestly don't know i think it was an apple i think it was an airpod i don't think it was pros but i her hair she had big hair i did not Mm -hmm. see it so i just kind of looked at her and then she continued on her conversation i was like oh she's taking a phone call right now okay one of the perils of these things though and no joke is that you may not notice what's going on around you because i've worn the pixel buds into walmart before and i was wearing a blue polo and blue jeans because it was casual friday at work and i was on my way home to pick up errands And I had someone that was trying to talk to me while I was in the video game section. I didn't even notice it. And they got real cranky and kind of aggressively (laughs) tapped me on the shoulder and said, can you help me, please? I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't work here. (laughs) Because because at that point in time, that's pretty much what the Walmart uniform was, was a blue shirt and jeans. So I was just kind of sitting there minding my own business. I'm like, what the hell does this woman want? I'm just trying to look at the game. So that's what I yelled at him and said, if you don't like my service, you can go talk to my manager. He's up there. I mean, but no joke, if they're just conversationally saying, excuse me or something like that, and you've got a podcast going, or you've got some music going, and you've got these smaller buds in your ear that aren't exactly noticeable, you're not going to hear them. <laughs> That's so true. Uh, well, thank you again for doing that. That's great. And I do look forward to whatever the next edition is of your list. God, hopefully nothing right now. <laughs> what am I going to do with a fifth set of Bluetooth headphones? <laughs> Take them to the gym. Yeah. My backup gym headphones. (laughs) That's going to go ahead and take us to the end of the show. Before we go, SP, go ahead, plug and promote all the places you're at. We'll extend the show by 35 minutes for you to go through them all. You joke, but this week it actually might be close to that. So here's the big reveal. I will be on a one-shot episode of Mercury Theater Podcast. Now, they do special creator interviews of guest actors or writers or producers of audio drama or whatever. So I did a guest interview for this. The interview is out as of today. So go to Mercury Theater Podcast and you will hear me being interviewed by John, who's the producer over there at Mercury Theater Podcast. Also, the audio drama one shot episode itself releases on March 29th. Today, 
Also, I had a episode of Oof Right in the Childhood, which is a Disney movie rewatch going back to the earliest Disney movies all the way up to current. I got the bronze era. I got an episode of The Rescuers, which was a movie that I watched in the theater in 1977 when it came out a month after Star Wars. So you can find that at Oof Right in the Childhood. And it is the rescuers. This is the same as the rescuers down under, except for it was the first one and arguably not as good. But you can listen to that episode. It's great. And then, oh, 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 WandaVision had its season finale. And the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode, which covers the WandaVision season finale, will be out in a couple of days. I am really excited about that. It was really fun. You had a really good contribution there uh, towards the end of your show. Someone gave some yeah. really good feedback. C- created a lot of controversy. <laughs> there was there was nothing good about that feedback. No, no, it wasn't good. So what Steven's referring to is something that he posted in our Discord server, which you can find at getageek.com slash Discord. We talked about it for 25 minutes on the podcast. So <laughs> what's going to take me an extra day or so to get that podcast episode out? Uh, on a serious note, I would like to congratulate you for your debut of your audio drama ish, um, performance, I guess we'll call it. And is that what we would say your audio drama performance or would it be? Audio yeah, it's, dra- it's an actor. I mean, honestly, I, I did my, my recalls, my, my, uh, I don't know what you call them when you come back and you, the director says, say this for me again, but say it this way instead. Uh, so I did that on Saturday. It only took about 10 minutes, but my part is pretty small and I, I just felt really bad and like oh i really suck as an actor or I, I basically i need more training i need more experience whatever and he was very gracious i really enjoyed it it was a dream to work with and it's just fun finally having an audio drama part so once again that is mercury theater podcast well make can- sure you download a copy for yourself to store somewhere because i did an audio drama a few years ago and i only had like three lines and uh that podcast has since pod faded and taken their site down so i will never be able to retrieve it again. Not that I really am sure that I wanted to, but I was sitting here thinking, I was like, man, it'd be kind of fun. I went, oh, wait, that website's gone. Mm-hmm. So yeah, make sure you get a copy for yourself. But it's just really fun getting to do stuff like that. And it's so different than the normal kind of work that we're doing on here, which is conversational back and forth. And you're not really thinking about director's cues and stuff like that here. It's like, I'm thinking about when's Steven going to blind toss it to me more than anything. Which, of yeah. course, takes us to our final point of the day. What did you want to plug or promote, Chris? I want to promote Stephen's blind tossing to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, in all seriousness, uh, coming up this week, uh, Willie Nelson was off this week on the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast, but he does return this upcoming week after a week off, and we are bringing back one of the much-requested segments, which is his advice column, where Willie gives advice, and he does take it seriously. And we have gotten some submissions already on Discord. If you guys want advice from Willie D. Nelson on anything, we all will chime in, of course. Please uh, feel free to send them my way to at the Chris Farrell on Twitter, at ATGN Podcast, or go to the All Things Good and Nerdy channel on Discord. Alternatively, you can DM me on Discord, too, if you want to be anonymous. I don't know if people know this, by the way. I do a podcast with SP called Better Podcasting. And uh, we had a couple. He talked about it last week as the marquee, as marquee episodes, I believe was his phrasing. Uh, if you want to check it out, we talked a little bit about moderating a podcast community in episode 246. But I want to say, if you got questions about creating a podcast community, 
Come to our Discord that Chris and SP both just mentioned because Chris Farrell is also a moderator on a couple different communities, and I'm sure he would be happy to answer any questions that you might have about moderating a community because he is involved with several. So come to our Discord if you got any questions yeah. about that. Don't, don't ever volunteer to help moderate a Reddit <laughs> channel, a subreddit, because then you just start seeing the worst in humanity at times. <laughs> you do, Especially don't you? a gaming subreddit it's- where you're like, what the hell? This guy's like, I think this game's really cool. Why are you going on this five-minute diatribe about why you hate the Nintendo Switch? This has nothing to do with him being like, I like Game X. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> well, we could have made that episode a lot shorter, SP. Just a five minutes, don't do it. <laughs> well, yeah. I can tell you that, too. I mean, just this morning, I think it was the first time in months we had to actually lock a thread, lock a post. And we we're like, no, this is not going well. Was, but we didn't want to delete it. So we just like yeah. locked it. And that was the way to deal with it. But uh, yeah, Chris deals with all this stuff a lot more than I do on a Reddit or Discord. In all seriousness, communities are really great things to be able to interact with folks. When you get involved in the moderation side of things, you do get to see some of the uglier side of the community at times, but you also get to see some really cool stuff that's in there and help facilitate good things. But sometimes you just run into things and you have to go, what the hell is happening? And just a quick aside, you guys probably haven't mentioned this one, but there was a news story that came out about the new Harry Potter game last week and about the fact that they were going to allow people to basically create their character however they want. You could present as male, but have a female voice, things like that to basically give voice to trans people. And I thought it was an interesting story. I thought it was cool. And the comments on that just devolved into such a toxic mess. And I was sitting there and I was going, I know a lot of this is trolls, but man, this is just not the kind of stuff you want to see. And if you are helping in a community like that, just beware. Sometimes you're going to see things that make you go, what the hell is wrong with some of these people? And I don't care what your opinions are on the game and things like that. Just some of the comments that were coming out in there were just gross, disgusting, and obviously people trying for shock value reactions. But we had to lock it and shut it down, despite the fact that there was good conversation going on, too. So come over to gunnageek.com slash discord and chat with us over there if you got any questions. And Chris will tell you all the reasons why you don't want to have a community. Oh, I'll spill all the tea on dirty side of communities. <laughs> Is it boba tea? For episode 368 of the official Get a Geek show, I'm Steven saying, hey, SP is now among the audio drama performers. I'm SP saying we'll see you guys next week. Talk more space stuff. I'm Chris and I got to figure out how to use four sets of headphones. Five coming soon. I'm sure he'll buy another one. You getting me some AirPods? No. 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 You don't want them. They're going to update. Bye. Well, I'll take them if Steven gets them for me. Thanks for checking out another episode of the official GunnaGeek.com show. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on YouTube. You can always join us for our live recording sessions, which stream Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern at www.geeks.live. And remember, you can find our full back catalog at gunnageek.com forward slash show. If you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunnageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week.